0: Hello everyone, I'd like to welcome you to the Redemption Tempe Podcast, where we believe that all of life is all for Jesus. I'm your host, Warren Williams, and today I'm joined by Ministry Intern Tina Dare. What's up? What's up? What's up? And I also have uh, Ministry Intern AC. What's good? He goes by two letters because he's just that cool. Um, I I can't
1: keep track of too too much more.
0: (laughs) So um you know it's been a little bit it's been a little while since we've you know had the chance to record these podcasts as you can imagine you know we've had the holidays and we had advent and we had a lot of just really great things going on within uh redemption um so you know but our goal is to have these released the second and fourth sunday of every month so we're getting right back on it full force Uh, we're going to be tackling many topics as we go through the true story project as a church and uh you know we're just looking for forward to you just uh joining along and uh hopefully uh you know you're entertained by our our wild banter and uh hip-hop analogies and uh you know we're just really looking forward to just diving in deeper so um topic of today's podcast we're going to be discussing Ecclesiastes 12 and what I'd like to do if you guys don't mind I just like to start with the reading of the text yeah is that good is that good yeah all right When the sound of the grinding is low and one rises up at the sound of a bird and all the daughters of song are brought low they are afraid also what is high and the terrors in the way the almond tree blossoms the grasshopper drags itself along and desire fails because man is going to to his eternal home and mourners go about the streets before the silver cord is snapped or the golden bowl is broken or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain Or the wheel broken is at the cistern and the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Vanity of vanity, says the preacher. All is vanity. Besides being wise, the preacher also taught the people knowledge, weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs with great care. The preacher sought to find words of delight and he uprightly wrote words of truth. The words of the wise are like goads and the nails firmly fixed are the collective sayings that are given by one shepherd my son beware of anything beyond these of any making many books there is no end and much study is a weariness of the flesh the end of the matter all has been heard fair god keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man for god will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing whether good or evil so that was a little wordy there, but you know, I'm just—I was trying to just give life to the poetry that we see in there. So, um, you know, it's basically accepted and understood that you know the the prob- many of the proverbs and Ecclesiastes come from Solomon, right? The wisest man in the Bible. So, just to kind of get us kicked off today, like you know, he's dropping some serious gems here. Would you agree? Yeah. He's dropping some serious gems here. Uh, you know, a lot of just deep poetry, analogies, allegory. It, it's just, it's, it's, it's pretty nice, man. He was like the first wordsmith, you know? Yeah. So, uh, uh, you know, so today, you know, you have, let's say, you know, on Twitter sometimes, you know, Reverend Run will drop a, uh, you know, his daily advice, you know, in a tweet and, you know, people retweeted and they're like, man, you know, he's like the wisest man. You know, he's, he's got all this wisdom, but we know Solomon's like the wisest man ever. So, if Solomon was with us, amongst us today, what social media app do you think he would use? You see? Tinder. Tinder? What? <laughs> that man had enough wives. He doesn't need to be swiping <laughs> right.
2: But he was trying to find that one in a thousand. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> one in a thousand.
0: Yeah. I us imagine his Tinder profile sitting on the throne like that. Man, Wow. <laughs> A lot of matches, but uh, yeah, I don't know if it'd be <laughs> <laughs> probably
1: Twitter, man, because you know uh, yeah. he tweet. He got yeah. so many proverbs, he would tweet out wisdom. Right, maybe. right. How many characters is it for
2: Twitter? 140. Yeah, he can yeah. fit like yeah. a lot in 140. That's words. true. Yeah. So
0: I guess we'd all agree Twitter. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, Twitter. yeah. I think his Facebook profile would be pretty cool too. Hopefully, he wouldn't be showing off all his riches. I don't think so. You know, real real man of God. On his Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> his Instagram. I just built this today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh no but yeah it's 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 interesting like you know we we look at proverbs and it's you know a lot of times you know these uh quotes and things are what like uh ins- they bring a lot of inspiration to us but they're all we also do run the danger of when we read proverbs and song or well not some but proverbs and like the wisdom books and um you know kind of taking that out of context so we're going to get into that too but um and i i think to help us avoid that situation is we need to understand that where, where Ecclesiastes falls in the true story, right? So um, AC, can you kind of like, tell us where we're at in the story?
1: Yeah, so you remember how the story started with God creating everything and right. all things being called good. He created people, said it was very good so that we could bring out the potential in God's creation. Then the fall takes place. And so now the rest of the story is God on a mission to redeem the whole world, to make it all good again. And so part of that mission is calling uh, the nation of Israel as his chosen people. And they're in Egypt as slaves. Mm But he gives them liberty, he gives them the land and he gives them the law. And the law is so that they'll know how to live in such a way so that the rest of the world can look at Israel and know who the true God is. And so that all the world can be brought to God. And um, the thing about it, though, is that a list of commandments is not sufficient enough to just figure out how to live through life. Life is too complicated for just a bunch of rules. Right. And that's where wisdom literature comes into play, with Proverbs, you know, uh, Proverbs, the whole idea is that God is wise and just. So the way that he made the world, it makes sense. And also if you um, live in a wise way, generally things will go well for you. Right. Uh, but we know there's exceptions to that, right. that things happen randomly. And so Job and Ecclesiastes kind of deal with, with the exceptions.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting. I remember growing up, uh, one thing my mom always used to say is train up your child in the way the way he should go and you know, he will not depart with you and I and like, you know, it was only once I started getting a better grasp of, you know, like the story and, you know, where these books lie like fall into that story that I realized those aren't promises. Mm-hmm. They're like you said, they're wisdom that we, you know, we can learn from, right? And mostly if we, you know, put them into action they turn out well, but they're not promises. Mm-hmm. They're not promises. So um, Tian can you kind of just tell us like, what is the message of Ecclesiastes? It's a lot of, it seems sort of random and some of it seems kind of hypocritical in some certain ways, right? Yeah. So like where, what do you think is like the general message of the book?
2: Yeah, it's hard. I'm hesitant to put like one statement on it because mm-hmm. then I think we read it and everything we read, we just kind of slap that message onto it over and over again. So I really think it is meant to be read as poetry, mm-hmm. listened to. It's it's meant, just as the Psalms are that we talk about, right. to stir our emotions. Right, right, right. And to really get kind of the complexities um, of the world we live in. But I do think that there is a message and a theme that draws it all together that, that yeah. is really important, that, you know, takes away some of that, like, he is totally contradicting right, himself. Right, 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 yeah. right. And I think as I looked into a little bit that word vanity uh-huh. it's not something that we use very often mm-hmm. it's like there's that song you're yeah. so vain but like other than that you know like I don't have, I don't use that in daily life right, right. like oh yeah today was just vanity like everything yeah. kind of nothing really came yeah. to fruition so I think that, that that is really important and the way that it's used because that word itself in Hebrew I don't know how to pronounce it but it's H-E-B-E-L um, Hebel mm-hmm. Hebel Um, And that word really captures, I think, part of what uh, the message of the book is in that it is this kind of neutral word that just means like a vapor or a smoke or something that's transient or Mm -hmm. passing. Um, So it can be used in a negative sense or a positive sense or a neutral sense. So as we look at it, we see the things of earth, um, work, food, drink, um, the social things that we encounter in life. We see Solomon talking about all these things, and talking about them as vanity, and what we want to avoid is this kind of Gnostic view of like, okay, it's all bad, Mm -hmm. we shouldn't enjoy pleasure, um, we shouldn't take joy in our work, uh, but we shouldn't work too hard, and then you are left with really nothing, but rather see it as that all of these things are passing. So, in Ecclesiastes 12, it starts, the very first words are, remember also your Creator, and I think that is one of the crux of the books of the book is that all of creation in this world, it has been subjected to sin and death. And so it's futile. Like it's passing away. Nothing in creation that we do or say will last forever, but what will last forever is our creator and he is restoring all things. And so we can find joy in that. But when we place our trust, when we stand on a foundation of something that's vapor, that's passing, um, then, you know, it's, It's going to lead to our destruction, ultimately.
0: Yeah, that's excellent. And, you know, I think about Solomon, too, and, you know, his musings as, you know, he's extremely rich, right? So, you know, a lot of times, you know, the things that we... You know, we strive for a lot of these things, you know? And, you know, he's just one of the richest men to ever live, and he sits back and just Mm -hmm. says, like, man, like, this doesn't mean anything. Like, this doesn't really mean anything. So, uh, yeah, I I think it's I really... Thank you for kind of clearing that up because we do run into that danger of like, you know, running into a it's just meaningless, you know, life doesn't matter or, you know, none of this matters. But no, that's not where, you know, where the book is calling us or, you know, what the book is saying. So um, just kind of kicking it back to, over to AC. How would you give us, you know, we're in the we're in the uh, a lot of us are journaling through true story projects. And one of the main or first things that we do is we summarize. Mm-hmm. All right. So how would you provide just a summary of Ecclesiastes 12?
1: So when you pick up in 12, the first part of it, verses 1 through 8, are actually part of a section that begins in chapter 11, and it's just this really poetic description of how death steadily intrudes into our lives as we age. You know, death is inevitable, and it gives these metaphors about how, like, the strong men tremble, and the keepers of the house, and such and so forth, and really, I mean, it's like the legs and the arms get weak, Mm. talks about your hearing going out, things like that. And then the second half of the chapter in verse 9, it really switches gears. Now, a lot of scholars um, differ in their opinions about the authorship of this book. And uh, one thing that I think, though, that seems to be clear is that there seems to be the preacher who's speaking for the majority of the book. But chapter 1, verse 1, and then chapter 12, verses 9 through the end of the book... Are sort of like the editor or the the author of yeah, the book. Yeah,
0: there's a change in there. Yeah, yeah and so there, there's a change in
1: there. A lot of people think maybe it was Solomon who's considered the preacher. So mm-hmm. from Ecclesiastes one verse two all the way through twelve eight is his message, his sermon, his reflections on life. Right. And then once he's done, now this last section of Ecclesiastes chapter twelve is like the author or the editor coming in and saying, okay, now what do we get from that? Like wh- how do we how do we grapple with this idea that the whole world that the meaning of life is really obscure and hard to see and that time and death and random chance seem to obliterate like lasting meaning from mm. anything found in creation and so then he says on uh, the last half of chapter 12 that these words are like goads and goads are those long sticks with the pointy at the end that you you use to, like, prod animals to go in a direction? yeah,
0: I I used one of those yesterday. Yeah,
1: (laughs) growing up on the farm and... Houston, yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry, no, sorry got, to break your train of thought. No, <laughs> no, they got ranches in Queens, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly.
0: Goating animals right across the street. I had my stick and everything, so yeah, definitely related. The goats, man, goads, man. definitely related. You know,
1: yeah. people come from the wrong block. They yeah, come with yeah, their yeah, goats, and then you got hey, a goat battle. Go yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> get the goat, man. Yeah, yeah. Forget the heat, man. Get the goat. Yeah. So, like, goats are these things that will force you to move in a direction that you otherwise would not be willing to go. And so what Solomon, or whoever the preacher is, is doing is forcing us to think in, about things that we normally don't want to think about. Um, and then he goes on to say, what's the end of it? What's the conclusion? That God is going to judge everything, so keep his commandments. And in, and on one sense, like that's super encouraging that God is going to wipe away all the havel or all the... the, the uh obscurity or randomness of life or all the the exceptions to the good rules you know um and wipe away all of that and wipe away all the sin and brokenness mm. but on the other hand like you think about is that really good news because like i'm a sinner too you know i'm, I'm responsible right. for a lot of that have well, so right. that kind of like it kind of leaves you hanging in a sense too mm-hmm. you know at the end
0: yeah, that's that's it's it's really true, and like you know, a lot of times you know we ask the question like, oh, why is there evil? You know, there'll be, the the question will be asked, why is there evil in the world? Why is there evil in the world? And then we forget that you know we contribute to that too. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's 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 really that's really good there, and uh, you know, I know a lot of times you know, uh, all three of us have sat in the uh, missional training center, and you know we sit under uh you know teaching of Michael Goheen. um, and and you know he's really kind of helps shape a lot of you know what we uh you know talk about here and um one thing he always says is that if you preach a sermon that doesn't uh lead to christ you're preaching like a jewish sermon right because mm-hmm. we understand that if, it's the, if the bible is a story then christ you know the coming of christ and death and his resurrection are is like the uh, climactic point right mm-hmm. so um everything leads there right there's no part of the scripture that's uh like disjointed or you know um just on its own, right? So how would Ecclesiastes, or how does this text point to Christ? Uh, Tina.
2: Yeah, I, I think just first off, the Ecclesiastes is, I mean, it can be depressing, yeah. you know? It's oh, yeah. like it's like there's parts where it's like, it's better to be in the house of mourning, like it's better to face a funeral than to be like, you know, in the house of laughter, and right. it's like, what? what? Yeah. <laughs> and, and just... I mean, chapter 12, it's talking about the slow progression towards death. To death. And yeah, like, I man, don't want to be yeah. sitting there thinking about like this is the end of right. all people no matter what I do. And I think there really is there's this tendency to okay, so do I just despair? Right. And the book is begging for help. And I think there are there are aspects of the Old Testament that are just these rich um whether it's poetry or a narrative that are just crying out for hope and begging and I think that Israel in the Old Testament would have been reading these words and craving for the day that the prophets talked about where the Messiah would come um, and make all things right and so I think that's, first of all, is that Christ is our hope. Mm. And even now, now our hope has a name right. and it's the man of Jesus Christ. Right, right, right. But we still have to look back, just like AC was saying, mm. is that none of us are exempt from that need, that burden right. of the weight of, of um, the sin in the world. Right. And so uh, we, we can really find this rich hope as the guilt of our sin, as mm. kind of comes up as we read Ecclesiastes. We see, you know, the the systems of injustice that are in um, Ecclesiastes that we all are a part of, whether we like it or not. Mm -hmm. Um, We see the sin of of lust and what that can do to a man like Solomon who had everything but chose the ways of excessive pleasure um, rather than enjoying what God had given him. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the big themes in Ecclesiastes is contentment Mm -hmm. and taking and and receiving joy of the things God has given us. And I think we can all say that we're guilty of being envious or jealous or yeah. discontent, um, especially our culture. We are just like always onto the next thing and FOMO and like afraid of missing what we and don't consumerism, have. Yeah, consumerism. Yeah. Right. And, and so just sitting and being content in what God's given us. So I think it stirs in us a lot of things. Um, and so it does point to this hope in Christ right. where we we need him. You know, the world needs him to restore in a grand scope of things. The gospel addresses the whole world and how this habel will be restored and how things will be made right. Like Proverbs, you see this good order. That Jesus is restoring that good order, and that is something good. But he's also, like, the mercy that we need right. to be a part of that. And I think the last thing that I really think is... is um, neat in this that points to Christ is that in I think it's in chapter 2 of Ecclesiastes Solomon talks about all these things and in four verses back to back he says I did this for myself I built these parks for myself right. I built. I gathered riches for myself yep. I did these things for myself and it literally uses that word myself over and over again and um, what Christ shows us in the truest form of humanity that he represents is that we are we are created to pour ourselves out for others and that really there's joy in love and living a life oriented towards God and others. That's where we find deeper satisfaction and fulfillment when we don't do things just um, inward for ourselves.
0: Yeah, that's, that's, that's excellent. Um, I think it's, it's always good when we can like step back and, you know, remember that, you know, like we, all of this points to Christ right it's yeah. not like like I was saying there's nothing really that that stands alone so when we you know when we think about that longing for uh, mm-hmm. you know to for, for justice and that longing for uh, you know the the evil of the world to, to pass away you know I think Ecclesiastes really helps us to you know it, it just brings up those thoughts that we have like I think on a regular basis you know this was written how many years ago but you know we still it's still I guess that's why it's so wise because it's still so true yeah right mm-hmm. Um.
1: Yeah, I was, I was watching yeah. The Twilight Zone the other day. Yeah. And uh, there was this episode where these three dudes are lost in space and they get to this planet and it looks exactly like Earth, except uh, they're supposed to be like in the year 2020 or something, or, or no, 2200. But they get to this place that looks like 1950s America, right? Yeah. And they're like, oh, this is the past. But as they're walking through, everybody's frozen. Like, like, there's a dude on his farm, on his tractor. There's another dude who's uh, fishing. There's another dude who looks like he just got elected mayor. And it's all these people frozen, and they're yelling, and they're freaking out, the three guys. And they're like, man, why won't no nobody move? Nobody talks. The clocks have no hands on them. It's like everything's just frozen. Hmm. He's like, man, no, what's going on? And finally, they meet a person who's walking around talking. And uh, the guy says... Uh, yeah, come on in. Come on in here. Let me give you something to drink So he give him something to drink and then he and then they're like, where are we? What's going on? He says, we'll answer this question first before I tell you what's going on He says uh, if you could be anywhere, where would it be? And they said man They all agreed that we'd rather be on a ship headed home. And he said alright cool. Well, let me tell you. What's up? Number one, you're in a cemetery like this is a cemetery and the whole idea is that we want people to their their final resting place is to be in a moment that they cherished the most. Wow. So whether you wanted wow. to most be elected mayor, there was a girl who won a beauty pageant, or whether just the tranquility of fishing, mm-hmm. right? Um, and he said, you know, I'm actually a computer program. I'm not really a person. I'm just here. I'm the caretaker of the cemetery. Wow. You know, and they were like, well, what about cemeteries on Earth? And like, no, Earth, there's men on Earth. Where there's men, there can't be no peace. And every woman said, Amen, right? But wow. But no, uh, man, that so, is
0: good. The Twilight
1: Yeah. <laughs> and so then at the end, they start choking, and there's they're dying. And they're like, dude, you just poisoned us with that drink. And he's like, yeah, I'm sorry. You know, that's what I had to do. And then at the very end, the last scene is them. He puts their bodies on the ship. And so it looks like they have peace and they're on their way home. Right. That's their final, right, that's their final resting place. Right. And so like the whole, when I started thinking about that, and I started thinking of how Ecclesiastes, like this show is trying to answer Ecclesiastes in a way that's not sufficient. Because Ecclesiastes says there are these moments in life that are so rich and fulfilling and vibrant whether it's marriage, having a child, getting a new job, whatever it is, like there's, it's so fulfilling, but then it passes. Mm-hmm. Time keeps marching mm-hmm. on, death comes, and those moments are gone. Mm-hmm. And so the Twilight Zone was trying to say, well, what if there was a cemetery where you could be stuck in that moment forever? Right. But this text is saying, oh, that's even that's not sufficient. We need Jesus to come and bring us into the kingdom where that level of life doesn't flow away. Like he said, whoever believes in me, the spirit will come in will be like living water rushing right. out of you, you know, the everlasting life.
0: Wow, man. I, maybe I need to brush up on my uh, Twilight Zone episodes <laughs> prior to doing these, man. That was, that was pretty rich. That was pretty rich. Uh, um, okay, so just uh moving i guess moving along there i don't even know how to follow that one up because my mind is really blown (laughs) uh, so uh you know as we're reading through um the old testament and you know we're getting through uh you know this part of the true story project you know we've talked about this in the past um of just some helpful strategies you know to navigate uh through ecclesiastes that's going to help us you know place us where we're supposed to be in the story and keep everything in context so you know like how what are some helpful reading strategies that we can use you know as a as a church and as anyone who's participating in this project to help us navigate through Ecclesiastes
2: yeah I think just in general we're in the third book Ecclesiastes will take us into the third book of wisdom literature um so I, I don't think that we have a lot of like you know wisdom books sitting on our shelf where we just like open it up and read a bunch of like wise sayings, Um, we get the gist of it, but I don't, I don't know that we have a lot of experience with what it's intended to do. And so I think that's one thing is we really need to think about what wisdom is intended to do. Hmm. And then the second thing is that on the other side of the coin, a tendency that we have is, okay, let's open up, let's say Proverbs, which is a little bit more straightforward. And you know, let's, uh, I'm going to memorize this proverb and I'm going to live my life according to it. But what we missed there is that this was wisdom given in that time. Right. And so wisdom needed to navigate and live in a certain culture then.
0: So true. Either yeah, that's might, good.
2: might not be helpful for us today. Like, it's just not a thing. Right, like, right. you know, protect your goat. Like, I yeah. Like, you know. Like
1: the one that's like, don't move the boundary stone of your neighbor. Yeah. Like, yeah exactly.
2: Don't, you know don't what? kick
1: your neighbor's rocks,
0: bro. Yeah. Dry, yeah. There, <laughs> there is some wisdom in that, probably.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's there. Yeah. But we would need to recontextualize right, it. Right, you know? right, right, right. We need our to think about, like, yes. Okay, yeah. like, I see the wisdom here, yeah. but
0: what, where what, what do we need wisdom today?
2: How is this speaking to my context? So we need to imagine what um you know solomon in in these cases or other other wise people were saying and then really allow the spirit to address us today right um and not and i think it's really important that we don't do this just as individuals but that we are in community when we're reading these things and discussing them because the spirit the body of christ is where the spirit dwells and so together as we think about these things as we read these things As we hear other people's perspectives on what's being stirred up for them in Ecclesiastes, I think that's going to be really important. Um, And then specifically for Ecclesiastes, I think that just thinking about the purpose of the book as a whole, because some books, you know, if it's a narrative telling a story or a letter, you know, in the New Testament, it's it's easy to kind of read the different parts and get a gist of it as you go, but for Ecclesiastes, what we talked about earlier of like the message and purpose of Ecclesiastes, mm-hmm. I think it's really important to keep that in mind because it's going to put a lot in context. Like the first time you read it through, a lot of pieces may seem disjoint, but then as you really think through the message and purpose, then a lot more will kind of fit. It's it's almost like you need the edges of the puzzle in order for the pieces. For the pieces the to fit, yeah. right? Yeah. Right?
0: Yeah. That's and it's so true. I love the point you we talked about. Just reading it corporately, um, and uh, for those who don't know, I know we still have our open Bible studies, mm-hmm. right, on Wednesdays, yep. at uh, six, seven six, six, 30, to six eight. thirty to eight. Um, I, that's uh, we have men and women Bible studies, yep. right,
2: every Wednesday, yeah. aside from first Wednesday when right. we have our big corporate gathering, right. Now.
0: Yeah, so we still have that opportunity to you know engage corporately and um, you know approach this text together, um, and kind of work through it together, and uh, the parts, especially the parts that not in our cultural context, right, or culturally familiar to us. So, um, but, you know, I God's word is still applicable and um, uh, still speaks to us today, right? The Spirit still speaks to us through God's word. So, AC, like, can you kind of talk on how does Ecclesiastes, how does this specific text or Ecclesiastes as a whole challenge some of our cult, own cultural idols? Because we know that, you know, there are certain things in our, culture that we have made gods right so um and i think ecclesiastes is very very applicable especially when we like we talked about consumerism and things mm-hmm. like that but um i don't want to steal your thunder too much um what do what do you what how do you uh feel that uh you know this this book or this passage speaks to that speaks or challenges our cultural idols
1: well like you said i think this text the whole book really challenges the idol of consumerism right and a consumeristic culture is one that's centered around the ability to acquire goods and services that we can enjoy. I mean, why do people go to school? So I can get a good-paying job, right. so that I can live comfortable, right. so that I can go to the places I want to go, and I can buy the things I want to buy, and I can give my kids the type of stuff I want to give them so they can be happy. The whole culture is centered around this idea that if we have stuff or we can do things, if you're a millennial, it's more on experiences. Right. Then. That's where life is found, and that's where happiness is found, and that's what's going to be the most fulfilling life. And Ecclesiastes shatters that, because Ecclesiastes talks about like how time is going to keep on going, yeah. and those moments are going to fade. Yeah, death is inevitably going to come, and then you know, will it matter how many stamps you have in your passport <laughs> when the funeral procession goes? Right. Down, you know, uh, so it really challenges uh, that idea of consumerism that we really struggle with.
0: Yeah, and um, also, you know, I, I've heard this verse. I've been in many a youth group, right? <laughs> and this is one e- This is one of those verses that, like, you know, they're kind of pulled out and, you know, it's used as the theme of a, a a youth group, right? Remember your creator in the days of your youth, right? But I think there is a lot of truth to that, right? And there's a lot of, yeah. you know, as, you know, in our youth, we do have that tendency to think, like, you know, this is, where we're at is where we'll always be and you know this you know maybe other people who are not in this place in life we can't really learn from them or you know they're not you know they're they're not as valuable to us and you know society actually says that too Definitely. so tina can you kind of talk on that idol or how does how, how does the passage challenge that idol of youth
2: yeah absolutely i think one thing that's interesting about us talking about you know the implications of our cultural right. idolatry is um going back to that word vanity again so that word does show up in other places in the mm. Old Testament, mm. and oftentimes it's actually showed up specifically, it's um, translated as idolatry or idol. Right. And so it's, it's showing um, as Israel is serving the idols of whatever it may be. In our context, we talk about consumerism and youth and these things that we're, we're placing our trust in, and it's the sense that we place our like our strongest hopes, our greatest trust, um, in something to deliver us and to provide what we want most out of life. And so the reason that that's condemned as idolatry, it's, it's not, you know, the little figurine on our desk right. that, you know, well, we don't do that. We don't bow down to that. Yeah. But it, it was used to um, show when nations were trusting in other nations, when the Israel, na- the Israel nation of Israel was yeah. trusting in other nations for their deliverance, it was showing that that was vanity because these things are not going to deliver you. Right. Right. They're going to pass away. And so I think youth is, and in Ecclesiastes, especially we see that it is just, that idol is just knocked down over and over again because Solomon is like, I was literally at the pinnacle guys. Like I was on top of the world. Like I was given everything and it too passed away, you know, and no matter, no matter how much you have, like, it's not going to last forever. Right. And ultimately, you're still going to stand before God. And, you know, he's not going to care, like, right. ultimately, of what, what you know, what pleasures you had or how beautiful right. you were. Um, and when we serve those, not only do we cut off people and put them on the margins that don't have those attributes of youth, but we also place our own hopes in something that's going to be dashed. So it's not good for us, and it's not good for the world either.
0: Yeah, it's so it's so true. And you know what? I think as a culture we understand this in a way because you know there, there, there's uh, that saying money can't buy happiness right and we see so many times people who have amassed a lot of wealth you know it's you know sometimes you know you would think that okay like they have the ability to really control their outcomes per se or yeah. they have the ability to you know have a lot of possessions but there's still something missing there so I think we understand this but yet it's still such an idol that's ingrained in us to just consume and you know to uh, uh uh worship our youth it's just they're they're really tough ones to really knock down i think we all struggle with them you know yeah, daily definitely. um and uh so ac can you kind of just talk about how does this passage kind of challenge uh the idol of like relativism you know which is pretty uh, uh common today mm-hmm. right that there's no absolutes right there's truth is what you believe and i can believe my truth if god works for you that's great if it doesn't work for me like you know i should that should that is a truth as well so how do you feel that uh or what ways do you feel that you know ecclesiastes challenges that
1: it does it in a unique way uh because it's easy to read the book of ecclesiastes and say well i might as well just live it up because time is going to march on death is going to come anyway stuff hand up happens randomly so i might as well do whatever i want and live it up as much as possible while i can right and some people will misread ecclesiastes in that way uh but that's not what the what the book is saying in fact at the end of the last verse you know he says um for god will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing whether good or evil and so what he's saying is that there is a clear goal to the end of history hmm. that that life, it may seem random, and that's part of wrestling with life as the people of God, is how do we deal with the fact that life seems so random, but it's not random. Right, It is part of the story, the true story of the world, and God is working to an ultimate conclusion where he will usher in the kingdom and has already, in fact, uh, began to usher in the kingdom through the person and work of Jesus Christ. Um, so. It really there at the end the little the little footnotes or the the epilogue or the the you know the author's comments mm-hmm. on the sermon by mm-hmm. the preacher you know he's saying there isn't there is an end to history and so it challenges that idea of well there's no real meaning to history no real meaning to life so I might as well do whatever I want no there is a clear goal to history uh, that's being put forth here in the book
0: yeah um, I think the the editors or like you said the author's note at the end. Really does tie up all that random that seemingly randomness of the book and of the, of this particular passage So um, I guess I'll just kind of open this up as we're kind of wrapping it up wrapping it up here um, You know as a community because we you know, we understand that you know the our, our Relationship and our walk is not just a vertical one. It's a horizontal one So we want to talk about how we can expand, you know, our reading and our understanding of Scripture, right? so as a community how can we embody a life of hope and uh, meeting meaning to a culture that's uh, devoid of hope and we know they're searching you know there's you know, uh, whether it's young people or just people in general you know they're searching for some sort of truth right so how can we embody that you know as those who uh, um, follow Christ and I'll I'll just leave it open you know if you guys want to hop in or talk team it or however you guys want to attack it
2: yeah I think one thing that stuck out to me a lot as I was um, really studying in Ecclesiastes was this theme of joy that was just like inputted at like the most random times. Mm-hmm. It was this really depressing talking about how things go in the world, and it was like, take joy in, you know, sometimes it was the food and drink that God gives you. And it really is this sense that in the menial things of day to day, you know, we can take joy because we know that we have a creator that gives good gifts. And that we'll continue to do so. So if our trust and our hope is placed in our Creator, and if we embrace the community that God is shaping through His story, through His Word, where it is a community of love and you know self-sacrifice and serving one another, there is this deep sense of joy that comes with communing with God and His people um, that I really think that the world will stop and, and see and be right. like, you're going through some really hard stuff. Right. Where do you find your hope? Like, my goodness. Right. Right. Or... Or, you know, like, you seem to care about these things in the world, you know, but at the same time, like, they don't affect you. Like, where is that coming from? And so really finding um, in our daily rhythms ways to reflect uh, the gifts, the goodness of God in our lives. And that's in times of suffering and times in really good celebration that we need to, I think, really look at our hearts and ask, if what could be taken away from us? um or what kind of burden could be put on us where we would really just lose hope Mm. where where our deepest fears lie and when we see that then i think we uncover some of those idols and we start to be able to repent of them and find this deeper and more um stable foundation of joy and that only god can give
0: wow yeah that's 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 great uh ac do you have any final points i guess
1: yeah i just a plus one what tina said yeah you know um the, the book of Ecclesiastes is not meant to make us hopeless, it's meant to make us humble. Hmm. So when you hear these things about, you know, life is fleeting and it's confusing and vanity of vanities, it's not to say that life is depressing and you shouldn't enjoy it and you should feel bad for enjoying it, but that you should enjoy it humbly, knowing that life is random and anything could happen. And so you enjoy it just as the gift of God and you're relinquishing all control to God. So if as a community, what would it look like as a church? not just as an individual, but as a church. Like when Tina's saying our hope gets rocked and things get rocked, but we don't get shook. We don't get shook because we see, we wrestle with the the, the absurdities of life, but we keep our eyes clearly fixed on the end goal of history. And we're intentional in all the things that we do. And, and, And if I'm trying to think like, if we did that as a church, as a community, if we embodied that, I wonder if a lot of our time would be spent trying to give more hope to the hopeless. Wow. Yeah. You know, I think of someone like Martin Luther King, you know, it's February, it's Black History Month. Mm-hmm. This is one of my greatest heroes that I look up to the most. You know, he dedicated his life to saying to a people, "Hey, look, you know, we were in slavery, mm-hmm. now we're in segregation, but the his- history will march on mm-hmm. to justice." You know, Martin Luther King would say that evil has within itself the seed of its own destruction. You know, these things, no matter how bad slavery, and how no, how no matter how dominant it was, it eventually came to an end. And he got to see in his lifetime segregation s- s- start to come apart. Right. And so what if as a church, you know, we had that same mentality of saying it's not that, you know, one day we'll die and go to heaven and everything will be good. But we have hope now and yeah. we want to live that out in such a way to where we can give hope to the hopeless as well.
0: All right, that's great. Yeah. And I think if we just keep our eyes on, you know, you think of the true story of the world of creation, fall, redemption, and the last one, restoration, right? So, you know, we keep our eyes on the eternal, but, um, you know, we're not expecting, you know, to die and like, you know, be taken off on a spaceship somewhere to somewhere else. Like, you know, God has placed us here and the new heavens and new earth will come, will, will be here, right? So how can we be those instruments of restoration wherever we've been placed, mm-hmm. right? So um, I just want to thank uh, Tina, And um i i like we kind of started off by saying that you know these you can expect these podcasts on the second and fourth sundays of each month um i thank you for joining us today and i pray that you just have a blessed day and uh we'll see you next time